Here's the plan tonight. Uh, we're going to take some time in just a few minutes to worship. And uh, I know it's going to be really stretching for some of you because there won't be words on the screen. You'll have to do something with your eyes. I would suggest close them or uh, stare at the head of the person in front of you. I don't care. But we're going to uh, just enjoy some time of worship tonight with uh, James, and, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, then I'm going to come up and share from my heart. I felt like the Lord's put some things on my heart to share with you. I don't have any idea how long that's going to take because it's a little scary because I don't have a script. Some of you know that's scary. But it's going to be uh, just a time for me to share my heart. Then we're going to finish tonight with communion, some prayer. So I'm really looking forward to this time with you. Uh, thank you again for coming out tonight. And speaking of prayer, let's begin with prayer before we worship. Father, thank you for what you are doing, what you have done, and for what I believe you want to do. And Lord, uh, this is the heart of our church right here. This is the core. These are the people who really get you, get the kingdom, get our church. And I'm so glad they're here tonight. And I pray that you'd bless them for the sacrifice they've made, for the investment they've made in the kingdom. And I pray tonight, Lord, that you would meet us, that you would uh, give us uh, your heart, your, your, your vision. Give us revelation tonight, Lord, about what you want to do in and through us. And as we worship you, Jesus, again, we come just to get lost in your presence. And so thank you for being here already. Help us to engage our hearts and worship to you tonight. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I know you're tired, but let's stand together and let's work for a while. If you want to sit down, you can, but let's stand. When I think about how good you've been to a guy like me, to us, God, I, I am just laid out, Lord. I'm, my heart is, is ripped in two by the power of the Holy Spirit. It just cuts me right to the core of my being. And I'm overwhelmed by your love, Lord, right now by your goodness to us. Lord, we don't deserve anything we have, but we are so grateful for your favor, for your hand, that you look on us and you smile, Lord, and that you are more excited about our future than we are, that there are things, God, we haven't even begun to imagine or understand that you have in store, great things, good things, amazing things, hard things, Lord, but you'll be with us every step along the way. And so, God, we humbly come to you right now, and I just pray, Jesus, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, right here, right in a little place called East Point, as it is in heaven. That's our prayer, God. That's our need. That's our desperate cry. And we do it, God, we pray it because we know you love us and because we love you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Thanks, guys. James, welcome home. He was at Life Center for years, and uh, it's so good to have you, buddy. Thank you, guys. Well, um, I want to cover just a few things that are coming up that I want to bring you up to speed on. Then I'm going to share my heart. And then, like I said, we're going to finish with communion and not sure what, but um, there are some things that are on the horizon. I like to give you guys insight on this, not just because you've taken the time to come out tonight, but because I want you to pray, and I want you to be a part of what's going on and be aware of what's happening, and uh, be excited to be uh, motivated and encouraged by some of these things. Uh, December 2nd, the first Sunday in uh, this, this, month, this coming month, I start um, a new series, and it's a Christmas series, and it's, it's uh, got... It's uh, basically, it, 
I'm going to take a look at some stories that we haven't looked at for a while. Uh, the story of Simeon, for exa- example. But what's so special about Christmas is, this, is the theme uh, for that season. And then we go into our Christmas Eve services, which we'll have two on Sunday morning, normal Sunday morning times, uh, and then two on Monday night, which is Christmas Eve 4 and 6. All four services will be the same. Uh, we run into this every seven years, and it's what we did last uh, time, and it really worked well. I am uh, uh, very excited about our Christmas Eve service. We've been working it already, and, and uh, Teresa's taken the story, You Are Special by Max Licato. How many of you have read that or are familiar with it? Sir the Wemix. And she's uh, made a, a drama out of that, and the message that that service, Christmas Eve, is, is You Are Special, and I'm going to land on this verse that nobody's ever heard of before from John 3.16. That uh, we're special. God so loved us that he gave his one and only begotten son. So that's where we're going with Christmas Eve services. It's going to be fun. Looking forward to that. Uh, I hope you guys can come back for our Christmas uh, dessert on Sunday, December 9th, uh, 630. Uh, Special New Year's Eve service. We're going to do something this year that we've never done. And it's felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to do it. I'm excited about it. And I know if you have family plans or other things you do, that's fine. But we are going to have a New Year's Eve service from about 7 to 8.30. The plan is we're working on the details, but we may have something from 9 on, games, fun, kind of a social event, non-alcohol social event. But that'll be here for those of you that want to have uh, some connection and fun. But from 7 to 8.30, we're going to have a time of worship, communion, and prayer as we bring in the new year. And actually, as we bring in the new year, but uh, the next decade for us, I don't know how many of you are aware of this, but the first Sunday in January will be our 10th anniversary. And so we are going to really anticipate, yeah, it's very, it's amazing. So I'm very excited about that uh, time together. Uh, Then the first Sunday, January 6th, we're going to have our 10th anniversary celebration. And uh, my friend, my pastor, for 36 years now, uh, Joe Whitworth is going to be here to share with us that day. And so Joe's our life center, yeah, it's going to be fun. Joe's our founding, uh, the mother church, you know, the, the church that we came out of. So uh, I, I'm just excited about what's coming up. And uh, then we're going to start a series on January 13th that is going to be um, very, very seeker-driven. We, uh, this is, let me back up for a second and say about three or four times a year from now on, you're going to find out ahead of time, and we're, you're going to hear plenty about it. Uh, about three or four times a year, we're going to do shorter series uh, from this point on that are going to really be designed for you to be very comfortable to bring your lost friends, family members, neighbors, co-workers, uh, whatever to. Uh, you know, serious like I'm in right now, hot button issues, not real seeker friendly, um, pretty challenging, and uh, that's okay. And, I, you know, we, we uh, understand that we're, more often than not we're speaking to the church, and I'm encouraging the church and edifying the church. Uh, we try to provide an environment that's friendly all the time to people and accepting for people who are lost. And every week, I don't know if you know this, but every week, three, four, five people uh, get saved here at East Point, and it's an amazing thing that God is doing. So I, I'm looking forward, but what we're going to do is design these series that are extremely, I mean, our goal is an hour service, a little bit shorter worship, and the message to- topics are going to be very designed to speak to the person who is seeking or far from God. And the first one coming up is going to be in January, starts January 13th, it's a four-week series, and it's called Church Sucks Win. Now, I know some of you don't like the word suck. You think the word suck sucks. I understand that. But our culture, you know, it's something very commonly used. And a lot of people are de-churched or unchurched because that's their attitude. Church sucks. Why would I want to go there? 
So what we're going to do is just say, you're right, church sucks. When? And we're going to cover things like when it's about religion and not relationship. Or when, it's, when leaders don't practice what they preach. Or when Christians don't act very Christ-like. So that was, those are the topics we're going to deal with in that series. And again, the whole thing's going to be designed for you. We're going to give you an invite flyer, a way to invite your friends. And I think it'll be intriguing and we'll get some people back. I, I'm, I'm hoping on that. So we're going to announce that. That will be in our Christmas Eve uh, bulletin that that series is coming up so that those who show up, uh, the lots of people who come for you know, Christmas and Easter will, will engage in that. Uh, then um, we're doing a series after that um, that is really more designed for the church, for you. And there's just some great things coming up. And before you know it, we'll be into Easter. And uh, I won't go there yet. But I, we've already got some great ideas for what we think God wants to do for us on Easter. So those are some things coming down the pike that I wanted you to be aware of and to be um, praying about with me. Um, let me share with you my heart right now. And... Um, my struggle in this right now is that I, I feel a little inadequate to be able to really communicate what's here and to somehow get it to hear it into your heart. Um, I realize that what I'm going to share may stir up some questions in some of you. Uh, before I even get into it, let me say, please come see me. Please talk to me. If you've got questions about what does this mean, what does this look like, as best as I can, I will try to answer them. For a long time, for a long time, I have felt like the Lord has been preparing the church, capital C, not just East Point, but the church for something that's coming. Some of you have been around for a while, and you've heard me say that before, that I just believe in my gut that there's another great movement of God on the horizon, that there's something coming for the church. And I have been praying for a long time. Let me give you a little bit of history about my background. Some of you, a few of you know this. Most of you haven't heard this or don't know this. And I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. But in my experience in the church, um, having grown up in church all of my life, uh, I was bored to tears, hated church, thought it was, you know, boring and terrible and didn't want to go. And, but I was the preacher's kid, so I had to go. You know, so they, so I, I was dragged to church and, and uh, had an encounter with God when I was 15 years old that revolution radically changed my heart and my attitude. But I was still going to the same kind of church that I was because it's kind of boring. And one of the reasons why we're, we're committed to not making church boring is because I hate boring churches and didn't want to be a part of that anymore and figured, well, since I'm the leader, we can do whatever we want. So it, it really is part of the response to what I grew up with. But when my wife and I started dating, and we were high school sweethearts, uh, it was during, and I know this is going to date me, some of you, oh, well. we were actually uh, dating in high school, this is back in, in the early 70s, and at that time, there was something going on that some of you will remember, or you've heard about, it's called the Jesus People Movement. Anybody remember hearing about, yeah, all the old people, their hands are going up. <clears throat> And we were in Southern California. What you need to know is that we were there. We were in the midst of it. That's where it started. That's where it was given birth. That's where amazing things were happening. A little place called Calvary Chapel. A guy named Chuck Smith, maybe you've heard of him, uh, began to embrace these people that were, you know, hippies and drug addicts and wacky-looking people that would come to church in shorts and without shoes and, and long hair. And where a lot of the church, in fact, the church I went to, basically said, no way, you're really not welcome here. And they didn't say it verbally, but in all of their action, everything they did pretty much made those people not feel welcome at the church I was a part of. 
And yet we got made friends, long story, with a guy who's a part of Calvary Chapel. And I was at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. I've been there. I've heard, some of you will really know how old I am, Love Song. Anybody remember a Love Song? I remember a Love Song leading worship, leading worship at Calvary Chapel. And what's amazing about that was it was a movement of God. It was this incredible outpouring of God's spirit on people that were broken, messed up, far from him, coming out of sexual revolution, and God just said, watch this, and he just breathed on a whole generation. And by the tens and hundreds of thousands, they came to know Jesus, and the churches that embraced them, that welcomed them, that accepted them, God did an amazing thing in those places, and they, they, were, they, they were impacted forever because of what God did. That was the first encounter my wife and I had with a movement of God. Then we got married. Uh, I, I uh, decided to go to Bible school, and, and we moved to Eugene, Oregon, and we went to a church called Faith Center. And Roy Hicks Jr. was the pastor. He was with Jesus now. But, but Faith Center, I remember we first went to Faith Center. Our friends Joe and Lena Whitwer invited us. They were our neighbors. The first time I saw Lena, she had a plate of cookie in her, cookies in her hand. And they invited us to come to this place. Hey, you got to come check out our church. And I, I don't know. And we drove in, and I remember seeing this massive parking lot, thinking, what is going on here? Never in my life had I been to a church like this. You know, and I thought, this is strange. And then you walk in, and it was a converted gymnasium with the sides knocked out. It wasn't a church building. What's up with that? I mean, who goes to church outside of a church building? But so we go to this place, Faith Center, and we drove out in our little red Subaru, and I turned to my wife, and I said, we're never going back there again. That was just weird. That was, I don't like that at all. And they sang choruses and songs that I didn't know, and people were crying, and it's like, what? what's going on in this? It was just, it was just like, Shh. Well, we ended up going back, and after I tried every other church in town, trying to find some other way to go someplace else besides Faith Center, God just kept doing this, and we were part of Faith Center, and it was during that season in, of, of the church's existence where they were exploding. God was doing a powerful thing. And again, thousands of college students from U of O, and, and that town was turned upside down because of a movement of God in a place called Faith Center, and we were part of that. Well, uh, fast forward, uh, years later, we end up in Ch at Church on the Way, a place called Church on the Way in Southern California, and the pastor was Jack Hayford. And we were part of the original old building before they built the new facility. Before they, they were doing lots of services when we showed up. But it was a small building, much smaller in size than this place was. And seating capacity, very limited, and just jammed in there, an old building. And yet God was doing this amazing thing. I, we remember driving, we had our spot. You know, like you have your spot that you park in or that you sit in. We had our spot that we always try to get to. And we would drive right by the, the original building and and they had these steps that walked up, I don't know, 10, 15 of them that walked up to the front doors. And there would be hundreds of people way before church started. Never heard of such a thing. People showing up early at church and lined up by the hundreds to get in this building. And then we were there when Jack Hayford was a pastor and sharing stories about how literally the Shekinah glory of God. He, he would, I learned coming down to the building once a week on Saturday night to pray from my pastor, Pastor Jack. And Jack would always go down to the building and pray the night before services. And one of those nights, he encountered what he described as the literal Shekinah glory. He said, a cloud filled the room. And that's an amazing story. We were there during that time, hearing this and watching again by the thousands, people meeting Jesus and, and us encountering God in a place that was just phenomenal for us. It was a movement of God. Fast forward a few more years. 
we end up planning a church out of church on the way. And then we end up making some friends uh, with an old, uh, actually an old high school friend, re reacquainted ourselves with a guy I went to high school with, and he had just happened to be a vineyard pastor. I never heard of the vineyard. What kind of church name is vineyard? That's weird. And, and uh, he gave me these tapes. To, I helped my brother move from L.A. to Boston, and I listened to these MC510 or whatever they were, the, the, his seminar from Fuller, John Wimber seminar from Fuller, and I listened to these tapes all the way across country. And I would, we'd stop, my brother was driving the truck and I was driving his car, and we'd stop and, and, and to get gas or whatever, and I'd say, Kevin, you gotta listen to this tape, and man, I can't believe this. And, and just, and it, it was fascinating to me to hear this guy's perspective on the kingdom and on what God was doing. And well, we ended up getting involved, we spent nine years in the vineyard. And nine years of where we watched, especially in the early years, uh, amazing, amazing things take place. We were at Anaheim Vineyard. John Wimber was our pastor. And I, again, we would drive up. They had, so every week, every week, they had Sunday morning and Sunday night services. And every week that place was packed. And people would show up again. The service started at 6 o'clock on Sunday night. People would show up there at 4, 4.30 to wait outside the front doors. And when they opened the doors, they would run to get to the front. Nobody ever runs to get to the front here. But the reason I tell you this story is that I truly do believe, not that I'm special, but that I uniquely have had four encounters, four involvements in our history, in our, in our years together, my wife and I, four movements of God that we've been a part of. I think that's pretty unusual, and I know what it did for me. It ruined me in a good way. It, it created in me a longing and a hunger that once you've experienced something like that, Anything less than that is maybe good, but it's just, it's, you just know there's this intangible, tangible that's missing that you long for. Now, here's the thing I learned. One of the most incredible things I learned from John Wimber was not to make something happen. John was, was I love this guy because he was an orthodox, you know, evangelical who was the most practicing charismatic I've ever seen in my life. But he wasn't weird. And in fact, when people would start to get weird and start going off and doing things, he would intentionally say, oh, whoa, 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 dial it down. He was famous. You've heard me use that phrase from time to time. Dial it down. Nope, we're not going to go. Because John didn't want it to be anything of the flesh. He knew that it would be easy. And, and I've been there. Part of the church history I have is watching people go, woo, 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 woo. And leaders who are really good. You know what I mean by that? Really good at getting the crowd whooped up and, and the, in the frenzy and froth and, and, and all these things. But you know what? I, even as a kid, I knew that's not God. That's, that smells bad. That doesn't seem very real to me. And why does, you know, Sister Zola on the organ always do the same thing and have the same word and the same ex, ex, you know, uh, response every time? Isn't God more creative than that? And isn't he fresher than that? And I... There, I but Wimber intentionally would not let the church that he led and the movement that he was a part of for years, now he's with Jesus too. He wouldn't let us go weird. He wouldn't let us go into these isms. He kept us focused on this, the, the, the main and the plain and on the, the presence and power of God. That's our history. That's my history. And, and, and for years, for decades, what, what, so what? What does that mean to you? For a long, long, long time. My most Frequent prayer. Hands down, no question about it. My most frequent prayer is, God, we need more of you. I need more of your presence and your power. We at East Point need more of your presence and your power. 
week after week for 10 years. If I'm in town and I'm not deathly ill, so there's been a couple times I haven't been here, but if I'm in town for a decade, for 10 years, I'm down here every Saturday, late afternoon or evening, and every Saturday, I'm spending a couple hours down here, and every Saturday, I'm walking through this room and I'm laying hands on this, these chairs. The chair you're sitting in has been prayed for a lot, a lot. And my prayer, you know what my most frequent prayer is? God, we need more of you. We need your presence and we need your power. Because, God, I know what we can do, and, I, and I, that's, that's good. But, God, I know that when you breathe on a place, when you breathe on a people, when you breathe on a generation like you did in the Jesus People Movement, like you did at Faith Center, like we experienced the church in the way, like you did in a movement called the Vineyard, when you breathe on us, then it's, it's indescribable, and yet it's, it's, you see it, you feel it, you know it, you can taste it. And my most frequent prayer is, God, I want more of your presence, more of your power. Now, let me insert quickly and say, we have experienced this. It's not like we've been absent of that. It's not as if it hasn't happened. But I know the difference between that, Wimber used to call it the dancing hand of God. I know the difference when that's happening in a place, in a movement, in, a, in the church, or the church at large, then, and when it's not. And, and that's why I pray for it all the time. The psalm I go back to, and I'm just going to read you Psalm 84. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there. If not, I'll just read it to you. You can trust me. But Psalm 84, <clears throat> the psalmist said, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, to the courts of the Lord. My flesh and my, and my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Right out of the shoots, these first couple of verses in Psalm 84. And I would encourage you this week to meditate on this passage, on Psalm 84. Just get it out, read it every day. Spend some time thinking on it, chewing on it, letting it simmer in your soul. But it starts with this yearning, this longing, this crying out. I believe the psalmist who wrote this, he had experienced that touch of God that ruined him. And he wasn't going to be satisfied with anything less. He said, even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young a place near your altar, near your presence is what that refers to. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. Blessed are those. They are ever praising you. Now, again, when the, you see the word house in the Psalms especially, it's, it, it, it is referring to a literal place, but bigger than that, it's referring to the presence of God. It's, it's that because in the, the Old Testament, the Lord dwelt in you know, the temple, in the Holy of Holies. And he says, so blessed are those who are, are in your presence. And this, and this verse 6, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they will make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. The valley of Baca is a valley of weeping. And so no matter what they go through, it says there's going to be the presence. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God. Hear my prayer, O Lord Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Here's a desperate man, a desperate cry. Look upon your shield, O God. Look on favor. Blessed, and, and I love this verse 10. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. And then he goes on in verse 12. says, O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man or woman who trusts in you. This is a person who is hungry for more of God's presence, more of God's power. Somebody who tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And he wasn't going to be satisfied with anything less my heart, my longing is for more. I've been praying that for decades. And I believe, I truly do believe God's promised me, and I, I'm going to hold on to this until I take my last breath, and hopefully it's coming, that I'm going to get to be a part of another movement of God like before that we've been like but different. But I'm going to get to be a part of that again before I go to be with Jesus. 
I believe that. Now let me bring you fast forward to, to present time. About a month or so ago, I had um, a dream. Now I am not one of those guys who thinks that every dream is from God. If they are, then my sexual dreams are a problem. All right, get over it. But, <coughs> but, but uh, so I'm not the guy that thinks every dream is something, you know, some revelation from God. But I also know that there have been times, probably five or six times in my life, when I, I know that, th that God was trying to speak to me, that there was something he was showing me and that that dream in particular was from him. How I know it's not relevant to the point right now. I just know there are times in my life where I've had these dreams and I wake up and I go, Oh, baby, that was God. And I'm writing it down and, 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 and jotting that in my journal. About a month or so ago, I had one of those dreams. And uh, I'll give you, again, just kind of the, the, the uh, sketch of what happened. But in the dream, I'm encountering, I'm, I'm having, uh, there's an old man. And he's tall. I can describe him in detail. He's tall, uh, graying, thinning hair, kind. Uh, you just sense in him a... A, a, a godliness, a holiness, you know, there was something really good about his life. And he's actually working on a manuscript, something that I knew I'd written. Now, it wasn't the manuscript I've submitted to Tyndale that they're working on. It was just something. And it was something that I had done. And when I'm in this dream, I'm kind of standing over his shoulder, he's sitting, and he's working on this manuscript. And he's, he's correcting some things. He's saying, oh, this is really good. Oh, do you think, turn this phrase here a little differently. Oh, this, is, this needs to be worked. Uh, you know, that's not so clear here. You can make it better. And he's marking up this manuscript, and I'm loving it. I mean, this is awesome. That's great. That's, I'm, I'm excited and anticipative and appreciative of all that he's doing for me. And then he writes on the top of this manuscript the one word, and the word is resurgence. Resurgence. Now, you need to know, I had no idea at that point what the word resurgence means. I never used that word. One of the reasons why I knew this was God is because I couldn't have thought that up on my own if I tried. It's like, what? Resurgence? What does that mean? You know, and, and we wrote resurgence on the paper and handed it back to me. And I wake up that morning. I told my wife. I said, honey, I had this dream. I shared it with her. She said some things that were very confirming. And I'm like, wow, okay, Lord, this is awesome. I, I understand the manuscript to be something that I have invested my life in. And I want to suggest, at least in context of what I'm sharing tonight, that in large part, that's the church. It's something that I have worked and invested my life into. And God's saying, this is good. This needs to change. Oh, boy, this is, turn this here a little bit. Uh, you know, this need, no, that's, not, that's not quite the way it should be. And it was this encouragement and this input from this wise person who I believe represented God. And then he writes this word resurgence. Well, the very first thing I did was I went to, after I shared with him, I said, i got to look up this word. So you got to love Google because uh, it has everything at your fingertips. And I looked up this definition for resurgence, and I'm going to give it to you. Here it is. A continuing after interruption, a renewal, revival, a restoration to use, acceptance, activity, and vigor. Let me read it again. Because I tell you, I'm sitting at my computer, which... Um, is in my home office, and I'm weeping at this point. A continuing after interruption. The reason I shared the story about our history and the four movements is I feel like I basically have had about a 20-year interruption. It, it, it's been 20 years since I've experienced that movement of God. A continuing after interruption, a renewal. God, I love the way the Lord works. A revival, a restoration to use, acceptance, activity, and hope. 
Well, I got to tell you, man, I was pumped. I went from weeping tears of joy to, oh, God, this is what I'm longing for. This is what I desire. This is my prayer. I shared it with some of our leaders. I've shared it with some friends. And the cool thing is I've got some confirmation from them, some, yep, that sounds like God to me. And so I tucked it away. I thought, okay, Lord, uh, again, I'm not sure when. One of the things I believe is that God always speaks before he acts. And I don't always know how long it's going to be between the time he speaks and the time he acts. Uh, I like to d- attach time frames. I like to think it's going to happen tomorrow. I'm learning that, that God doesn't always give me the time. In fact, rarely. But, but the, the, the what is more important than the when because the what's what we hold on to. So I get this dream, and I'm encouraged by that. Well, um, I'm down here not last Saturday night, but Saturday night before. And I'm actually late afternoon. And I'm doing what I do. And I'm walking around this auditorium. And uh, I don't know why I usually walk clockwise. But I'm, I'm walking around the auditorium. Then I'm beginning to walk through the chairs and lay my hands on chairs and pray. And my prayer, my most frequent prayer is, God, I need more. We need more of your presence and your power. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit just began to speak to my heart again. It was an audible voice, but it was clear. And here's what I, and this is where I struggle a bit to communicate what I felt like the Lord showed me that night a week ago. But here's what I felt like God said. My presence and my power is coming. A, A fresh, new experience, movement of my presence and my power is coming. What you've longed for, what you've prayed for, what you've looked for is coming. Now again, the Lord didn't say tomorrow. He didn't say a week, a month, a year, 10 years. I hope it's tomorrow. But I, I felt like the Lord said it's coming. And here's what else the Holy Spirit unpacked for me. And this is where it gets a little, please listen carefully. Here's what I felt the Holy Spirit would show me. The church, and again, I believe not just East Point, but the church, has for a long time, probably a couple of decades, focused on two other P words, performance and presentation. For, you know, think about if you're familiar with church like Willow Creek, Saddleback, um, our church, Life Center. For about 20 years now, what the church has done very well, by the, by the way, is because our focus has been on presentation and performance. Now, listen carefully, because some of you are going, yeah, that's really terrible. No, it's not. It's not. It is exactly what God has added to the church. I sincerely believe with all of my heart that what was lacking in the church was we used to do things in a pathetic way. We didn't understand being culturally relevant. We didn't understand what it was, how important it was to reach into our culture and to be all things to all people that by all possible means we might win some. We didn't understand that we, it's okay in the church to value excellence and creativity, to do our best and to be, to have great worship, not pathetic worship. That it's good to have drama and to, and to, to speak with passion and with clarity and to have buildings and facilities that are, 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 are welcoming and comfortable for people. For a long time, the church didn't understand that. And guys like Bill Hybels and Rick Warren really led the way in a, for a whole generation of guys like me and pastors like us, showing us, teaching us the value, the value and the, 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 the godliness of doing performance and presentation well. And thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people have come to know the Lord. Millions of people have come to know the Lord through churches just like ours. So it has not been wrong. 
I need you to understand, we have not gone down the wrong path. It's not like, oh my goodness, we've been focused on presentation and performance and we are so screwed up, what's wrong with us? Not at all. I sincerely believe that God said, this is what I've done. That the Lord spoke this to my heart, this is what I've done. I have brought this to the church. I've taught the church how to do this and to do it well. And here's the next part. And I'm not asking you to abandon what I've given you. That we're not to walk away from the values of creativity and excellence that are part of our core values around here. We're not to walk away from, from, from performance or presentation doing that well. And it's been effective, and lots of people have come to know the Lord. But here's the good news, and here's what excites me. Is I felt like the Lord said, but I'm going to do more. And there's going to be my presence and my power in a way that's coming soon to my church. Get ready. That's going to add to what I've taught the church about performance and presentation. And it will be, and I don't know how else to describe it, but that breath of God. Again, breathe on people. You see, there, there, we've, what we've done is good. But there's no substitute for that presence and power of God. And I've experienced that four different times in my life. Four different times. I've seen it. I know. Jack Haver was a great preacher. Always was. Always will be. But when God began to move and do something in a church, it didn't just grow a dozen, four, five people at a time. Like I said earlier, three, four, five people every week it saved around here. It grew by the hundreds. Thousands of people began to come into, they were drawn to places like Church on the Way and the Vineyard because of the presence and power of God. John Wimber, and I love him, and he's with Jesus now, he was a pathetic preacher. The guy was not that good. I, I, he, it, it's, he basically read his messages, and, and, and you could tell, he was, he was reading. It was, he wasn't that great. But I tell you what, that man knew how to, to make room for and to engage in the presence and power of God and to lead that church in, in that movement. And it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. Now, unfortunately, especially towards the end of his life, it got weird. Things went, Doot. that tends to be the pattern, by the way, historically, of the movements of God. That's a whole other issue. But I do believe that God told me a week ago Saturday night, Kurt, I've taught the church, I've taught you how to do performance and presentation well, and I want that to be good. But you're about to come into a season where my presence and my power is going to blow your socks off. That now what I'm going to, you're going to see that dancing hand of God, that breath of God. And here, now, stay with me, because boy, you should see some of your faces. <clears throat> Here's the thing that, are, that I understand about this. I truly do. I don't think it's going to be the vineyard. I don't think we're going to go back to what was. I don't believe, you know, people are like, oh, we're going to be like the first century church. No, you don't want to be like the first century church. I don't think going back, and the problem is some of you have experienced some of the movements that I've experienced. And the minute I start talking about that, that's the frame of reference for you. That's the world that came into your thinking. That's the experience. And you're thinking we're going to go, yeah, baby, let's go. That's like it was. Let's bring it back. And that's, I, I think it's going to be new and fresh and unique. One of the things I believe is going to be different about it is it won't be focused on a man. I, I truly do believe it's not going to be a, there won't be a Wimber or a Hayford or a Roy Hicks Jr. I believe it's going to be far more decentralized and far more the body than it is going to be superstars that kind of lead these movements. That's my belief. I could be wrong. We'll see. I think another thing that's going to be different is that it won't be just what was or something we've experienced before, but I think God is creative. God is fresh. God is new. 
And, and if we just let him do what he wants to do the way he wants to do it, all we got to do is get out of the way. Okay, Lord, wow, I didn't see that coming, didn't figure that out, didn't have that in my, my toolbox, but boom, look at what you've done. So I do believe it's going to be unlike something that any of us have experienced before. But here's four possible responses to this, and, and I'll start to wrap this up. But I, I, I've thought a lot and prayed a lot about this, even about this time with you guys tonight. Here's four possible responses to what I'm sharing. One is, huh? I don't get it. I thought we had the presence and power of God. Listen, yes, we have. God's presence is here now. We've experienced that. We experienced it in worship tonight. It's not as if we haven't had the presence and power of God. Of course we've had. But unless you know and have experienced that movement of God, then you, you, you're, it's like trying to describe for you, you know, I've climbed a couple of mountains, died, almost died on one and failed, got to the top of another. It's, it's kind of like me trying to describe for you what it's like to climb a mountain and be on top of one. I can tell you about it. I can describe it to you. I can describe how it's amazing climbing up and you get through, you know, the air's thin and then you, you stand above the clouds and you look and your breath, I, mean, I can explain to you what that's like, but unless you've been to the top of that mountain, you really won't get it. There's a part of you that won't completely understand it until you experience it. Some of you have never experienced anything like what I've described. And you're sitting here tonight, you're going, huh? I don't get it. What's that mean? I understand. It's okay. You'll, you'll, you'll experience it. You'll know. The second response is the, uh, pardon me, the hell no, I'm not going there, no way. I've been there, done that, and I'm out of here. It's the freaked out because you dialed up all this, this stuff that you've been exposed to before that you hated. The emotionalism, the Pentecostalism, the weirdism, whatever ism you want to use. You've, you, the second response from some of you, and some of you are the ones I'm thinking about right now because you've got this look on your face, is you're, you're thinking, man, I knew Bubna was weird. And this is my greatest fear, and I'm going to find the nearest Baptist church and leave here as soon as possible. <laughs> and not to slam my Baptist brothers, but you know what I'm saying. I'm going to, man, I've I, I got to find a safe place because this is going to get weird. And so some of you are you're freaking out a little bit because of past experience. I understand that. The third response, and there's a few of you like this. You're like, yeah. <laughs> it's about stinking time. You know, I, 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 Boobna's been quenching the spirit for decades. <laughs> some, and I mean, believe me, I get the emails, guys. You know, and so, some of you, you're, you're, the, you're the ones that enjoyed the isms. And you're thinking we're going back to the isms. And so you're all excited. You're giddy. You can hardly stand it. You're texting somebody right now. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's coming to East Point. The whole, praise the Lord. Shandala, shandala. I was tongues for you. Yeah. I can be honest with you guys. This isn't recording, is it? <clears throat> Anyhow, some of you, you're, you're not freaking out. You're weirding out, and that's not a good response either. Here's the response I want to ask of you tonight. I want to, I want to ask you to have trusting acceptance. Trusting acceptance. Trust God. Trust me as I follow God. Except that even though, and I would be the first to tell you, I have way more questions than I have answers. I do. 
There are a lot of things I'm like, God, does that mean? And does this, and what about, and how, and when? And there are way more questions probably than, that I have than you even have. A lot more things that we don't know yet. But here's my position and what I want to encourage you to stand with me and to come alongside me and say, okay, Kurt, trust and acceptance. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to accept that he's doing something. I, I, you may be in the, huh, never experienced, I'm not really sure what you're talking about. Trust and acceptance. Let God get you there. And when you taste that, when you experience that, I promise you, post that time, you're going to look back and go, that's what he was talking about. Cool. Now I get it. Some of you who are freaking out and you've been in negative-ism experience, you know, I think I just made that up, you know, you've been into stuff that you, you just didn't like and that's why you, you left there to come to East Point. I want to calm your fears and say, have trusting acceptance. I'm not going to, here's the thing. People say, boy, why have you waited so long? Because I refuse, listen to me, I refuse to manufacture anything. I am not going to whoop it up. I'm not going to make it happen. I, and you know what? Here's what's scary about this, and please understand when I say this, I'm not being proud. Here's just reality. I've been around it enough to where I can make it happen, but it's without God. Do you understand what I'm saying? I know how to go through the experience and the, to, to manipulate emotions and to, to get people, you know, I do. I, I could do that. That's what's scary. And so I have committed, and I'm standing here before you, and I, you need to know, I will not make this happen. I'm not going to go there. It's going to be God or it's not going to happen. Not around me. I'm, and I'm going to be the wimber saying, dial it down. No, nope, don't go there. You're getting a little weird. Sit down. Let's, let's just dial it back. Tim and I were talking at coffee this week about how one of the things that we learned, and he was in the vineyard too, that we learned from John, was John was not afraid of silence. There are times when he'd say, okay, let's just wait on the Lord. And people, the isms people, they would start to, and John would go, no, 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 quiet. No, just dial it down. Let's just wait on the Lord. People would begin to, you know, do whatever, and, and, and he, he said, no, I just want us to wait on the Lord. Let's wait in silence. And you know how scary silence is? Man, sit in a room with people for five minutes when nothing's happening, and you're going. <laughs> it can be unnerving. But then all of a sudden, you guess, uh, guys, I cannot describe it for you unless you've experienced it. All of a sudden, there would be. He knew it was Jesus, that he was walking amongst us. He knew the presence of the Holy Spirit was there. And you didn't want to touch the glory of God. He didn't want to touch it because you knew it was him. And it wasn't some guy. It wasn't some song. It wasn't some thing. It was the Holy Spirit. And John would pray this prayer, come Holy Spirit, come. And then he'd say, more Lord. And I'd be on the floor. Sucking carpet. <laughs> Cursing John. Stop praying for more. I can't take anymore. But I knew it was Jesus. I knew it was him. For those that are 
tempted to go weird. Just know I'm not going to let you go there. Not at these points. And we're not going to be that that church. And so my call, my challenge, my invitation to you, trusting acceptance. Let's follow Jesus. And I don't know. Next Sunday, a year from next Sunday, a decade from now, I don't think it's going to be that long. But I truly do believe that all we have to do is walk in trust and acceptance and say, okay, God, we long for you. And I do believe this. I truly do. I think God is looking for people who long for him. I believe God is looking for a church, a people who are hungry. If you've heard Wimber's story, he got to the point where they were just fed up, tired of doing things in their own power. And God says, I'm done. God, you better do something because I'm done. And he was desperate for God. And that's when God said, good. I'm glad you're finally done doing it your way. Watch me. Watch what I do. I don't know. When, and I'm not sure about all the what's, but I do know this. I know the who. I know the who. And we can trust him. Will you trust him with me? Three of you. Good. It's comforting. <laughs> Let's long for his presence and his power. Let's keep doing what we've learned and what we do. Let's make this a place that is welcoming to the lost. But let's pray along for that breath and that power of God that is, there's no substitute for, none whatsoever. Bow your heads. I'm going to have James come up and the band guys come on. We're going to do communion right now. But I want to just pray for you. <clears throat> Ty, would you drop the lights, please? I want to give you a moment, just in the quietness of your own heart, to uh, conduct some business with God. And I, this is just you and Jesus right now. Don't worry about the person next to you or even about me. But what I want you to do is to ask yourself an honest question. Where am I at in those four responses that Kurt just talked about? Am I sort of clueless and I don't really know what and, and all you need to do tonight is to say God I'm not sure but I will trust you are you afraid is there fear in your heart right now you're thinking oh boy I am so out of here doggone it I don't like this are you afraid would you just tonight cast those fears on him and trust him and ask him to bring peace to your heart to your soul are you here? And, and your experience is, you, you actually are kind of looking forward to some isms or perhaps some stuff that might or might not happen. And, and you need to focus your eyes on Jesus tonight. You need to say, Lord, I'm not going to look back to what was. Good, bad, whatever. I'm going to look forward to you. And I'm going to look to you and to your new, fresh thing, this new thing I believe you want to bring to the church. And wherever you're at in those, those three places, if that's you, then would you just do some business with God? Say, God, this is my heart. This is me. This is where I'm at. And then would you ask him, if you're willing, would you say, Jesus, I want to be trusting of you, trusting of the leadership of this church. I want to trust you and accept this and ask him to help you. So I'm going to give you just a moment, just in the quietness of this moment, just to say, God, this is where I'm at. This is what I need. Just pray to him on your own right now.
Lord, you know our hearts. You know us better than we know ourselves. You know our past, our present. It blows my mind. Lord, you know our future. To you, it's just one big picture. You see it all. Nothing surprises you. Nothing is a shock to you, Lord. You see. You know. And Lord, you know it on a grand scale at the macro level, and you know it at the individual scale, the micro level. You know us. You know our hearts. God, you know me. You know, Jesus, that I long for you. More of you. More of your presence. More of your power. More of your life. And God, you know that I have prayed for a long time that I would be a part, that we would be a part again another great movement of God. Lord, we have tens of thousands of people in this valley alone who've given up on you. They've rejected you. Some, Lord, have their de-church, they used to go to church and they gave up because it was lifeless and didn't mean anything or they didn't like it or they didn't like you. God, we live in a world that's consumed by, by all sorts of garbage and brokenness. God, we live in a state now where you can gay people and get married and, and, and smoke pot at the same time. And God, we, we live in a, in a place that is broken and far from the heart of God. And yet, Lord, I believe that this is the time that we are soon going to experience that outpouring because, Lord, the dark is dark, dark and the light gets lighter. And you bring us to a point where we find out that we are broken and bankrupt without you and that we desperately need you. And I believe that that's coming, God that more than we've ever seen before, by the tens of thousands in our county, people are going to begin to, to come to you, be drawn to you, desire you, and encounter you. That your church, Lord, that has for too long gotten good at, at some things, Lord, but has not experienced that breath of God, Lord, that again you're going to breathe on us. And again, Lord, you're going to give us more than we could ever possibly imagine. Just like that rushing mighty wind, Lord, that came upon that first church gathered in Jerusalem, that the Spirit of God longs to move in our midst. And so, God, we give you our hearts tonight. I, I, I give you mine. I yield, Lord, to you. This is your church, Jesus. It's not mine. These are your people. They're not mine. This is your plan, I believe, Lord, not mine. And so I simply yield. I surrender, I say yes to you. Help us together, Lord, to say yes to you. To say yes to you. And to long for you more than we ever have before in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to pass the communion elements right now. I'm going to ask you just to take the cup, just double cup, the crackers in the bottom. Honey, would you take one from me too, please? Just take a cup and hold it. Would you just hold it? Can we do Oh, How He Loves again, James? Can we do that? Oh, How He Loves? Let's do Oh, How He Loves again. We're going to sing Oh, How He Loves right now. As just as you're remaining at your seats and taking communion. But as you hold that cup and that cracker in your hand, which represents the body and the blood of Jesus, broken and shed for you, here's what I want to challenge you to do in this moment. Thank Him for the sacrifice He made. Be willing to make whatever sacrifice you have to make. 
You see, here's the thing I, I know from experience that when God moves in a place, in a, in a movement, in a, in a generation, that we have to let go of some things. We, there will be sacrifice. There will be a, 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 a letting go of what was to embrace what's coming. Jesus let go of his life for you and me. As you hold that cup and as we sing this song and you, you just reflect on, on his sacrifice, you would you just ask the Lord to show you what sacrifice he wants you to make? to surrender your life to him. Let's worship and I'll come back and we'll partake together in just a moment. If you're physically able to do so, please don't feel bad if you can't, but would you join me on your knees right now? Just, just drop to your knees right where you're at. Jesus, we take this position of surrender to you. We drop to our knees, God, because we realize that we can't do this without you. How desperate we are for you, God. We take this position of humility, Jesus, because we know that our own strength, we can only go so far and do so much. But that, Lord, in you, nothing is impossible through you, in you, by you, for you. Our world can be turned upside down again by the good news of the gospel. I long, God, to see my friends, my family that are far from you. I long to see them come home. I ache, Jesus, for them. I don't know, God, when, but I know, Lord, you long to breathe upon your church again, and to make us this light in the midst of a dark world. You long, Lord, to use us in the miraculous. God, I've prayed for thousands of people, and often I've seen you touch them and move. Lord, I believe miracles and time of, of unexplained, miraculous encounters with you is coming. That people will not be able to deny the power, the existence of a God who loves them. They might turn their back on you in the hardness of their hearts, but Lord, they will not do so in ignorance. They will, they will know. So God, give us more of you. Jesus, I thank you that you sacrificed your life for us, that you gave your very best for us. You gave your life to reach the lost, to restore people to relationship with you. And God's my prayer that we would give whatever we have to give, that we would do whatever we have to do, that we would sacrifice whatever we have to sacrifice, our agendas, our plan, our ways, our fears, that we would sacrifice it all for you, for you, for you. For the sake of the kingdom, God. For the sake of the advancement of your kingdom on earth. For the sake of your advancement in this church, in this town, in this place. God, we'll give it up. We'll sacrifice whatever it takes because you sacrifice 
your all for us. Lord, we hold in our hand this cracker and this grape juice. This represents the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice made for us. And so we remember you. And we thank you. And we honor you. And we pray, Lord, fill us with your heart. Fill us with your desire. Fill us with the power that we need to do what you've called us to do. Take the bread now. That cracker which represents his body broken for you. Take it in honor of his sacrifice. Thank you, Father. And take the cup which represents his shed blood for you for the remission of your sins. The sin you committed today, the sin you're going to commit tomorrow, it represents his blood shed for you. May the sweetness of that little cup of juice, Lord, remind us of the sweetness we have in your presence. What you've done for us. Thank you. Take our hearts, take our lives, take this church, Lord, where we need to go. I pray it in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. Help somebody up. Would you just sing the chorus again? Let's just sing the chorus, James. Just the chorus. Yeah, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Yeah, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he his portion and we are his portion and he is our horizon drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes his grace is an ocean we're all sinking so heaven meets the light sloppy when kiss my heart's turned violently inside of my chest. I don't have time to make straight these regrets when I think about the way that He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how he loves yeah, yeah. yeah, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. 
I used to hate the most is the line I love the most now. When heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss. I just hate that line. But man, there's got to be a better way to put it than a sloppy wet kiss. What's up with it? But you know what? Now it's the line I love the most because when heaven meets earth, there's this encounter with God that's passionate and intimate and alive and like a sloppy wet kiss. It's awesome. That's my prayer. That's my heart for us. And again, that's not an ism. That's not a weird thing. That's not, it's just when you have that kind of encounter with God, it changes you. It changes everything. Trusting acceptance. That's my prayer. My hope for you. Trust Jesus. Let's go there. Let's go to the gathering. Let's watch and see. I refuse to make it happen. So now it's like, okay, Lord. I'm either going to be the biggest idiot in the planet, you know, and look at the biggest fool, or which I don't care about, or someday we'll be standing here in a different time, in a different room, perhaps, and, you know, who knows, and God's going to say, that's what I, I promised you, that's what I did, and we'll see, we'll see. I love you guys. Thank you for coming tonight. Thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for sharing uh, with us your life. And my prayer for you is that you'll go this week hungry, longing for him. Invest some time. I, I, I promise you the Lord will challenge you. He'll speak to you. Read Psalm 84 from every translation you've got in your home. Study it. Read it. Meditate on it. And let that longing pour into your heart. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming tonight.